Well, humor has a way of getting you to face issues that are hard to deal with. When we can't face something, if we can find something to laugh about it, to make fun of it, then maybe we can start talking about it, then maybe we can start dealing with it, and then we can get past it. Humor helps us with that. And now, on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles, and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of bringing a very special set of guests to you today. These guests are individuals that I've been meeting with every single month for the last year. And I know, on Saturdays even, to talk about humor. (laughs) Humor, what it means to us, how we can use it in life, just to make the world a better place. So for the last year, I've been a member of this wonderful organization called the Association for Applied Therapeutic Humor. And you may have not heard of it, and that's okay. I didn't know it was a thing either, but they've been around for like decades This group is dedicated to supporting professionals who care about the healing power of humor. And these professionals come from all walks of life. I mean, they're comedians, they are psychologists, they are caricature artists, they're all this, they just span the gamut. So, this organization is for you. If you care about humor, I encourage you to check it out. I believe it's aath.org. And One aspect of it that I've been a part of for the last year is this thing called the Humor Academy. In the Humor Academy, it's like a three-year process, and I'm on level one, y'all. Despite all of my background and everything, we all have to start. We all have to crawl, walk, run. We all have to start at the ground floor, and it's great because you get to learn all about the theory behind humor and how it plays out in different settings, and then you gradually learn new things like This is how I apply humor. So I get to learn how to be funny next year. Yeah, y'all can all benefit from that. And then the year after that, we focus on leadership, humor and leadership. So it's really cool. I encourage you to, to check it out. And my guests today are actually the Humor Cartel. <laughs> This is the Humor Academy group that I'm a part of. We meet on Saturdays every month to talk about humor. We are level one. In the Humor Academy, and I feel incredibly fortunate to be a part of this group and to be connected with these individuals because they're comedians, they are incredibly funny, they're humor professionals, so I feel like I'm learning from them every single day. So without further ado, here's who's on the line with me today. We've got Roberta Gold. Roberta is the CEO of laugh for You. She's a professional speaker, author, and attitude adjustment coach out in LA. She's also on the board of the Association for Applied Therapeutic Humor. We also have Nancy Norton. Nancy is a comedian, keynote speaker, and headliner out in Boulder, Colorado, and she's the winner of the Boston and Seattle Comedy Festivals. So yes, she is funny. We also have Dutch Martin. Dutch is the Senior Acquisition Specialist at Lock Harbor Group in Oakton, Virginia. It's a lot for me to say. Dutch is also incredibly funny, like seriously. Dutch is a speaking coach and yoga instructor as well. So 
He's busy. And then we have Ron Gagliardi. Ron runs the Sage Mini Museum and Multiplex in Cheshire, Connecticut. He's also the vice president and director of MICA, or MICA, which is Made in Connecticut Arts. So I want to welcome all (laughs) y'all to the Lead with Levity podcast. Let's start with Dutch. Dutch, how are you this morning? I'm doing quite well. I had a little workout injury at the gym a few days ago, and now I am clamoring to be checked into the fitness protection program. (laughs) The fitness protection program. That sounds scary, Dutch. Will we ever see you again? Well, you know, yeah, but you know, right now I feel like I'm on the losing end between my piriformis and sciatic Uh nerve. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a quick question for all of you. When did you find out that you were funny? Oh, Ron. (laughs) What was it particularly that you found incredibly funny? I would say for me, it was a series of events over the course of my career. And like, you know, as a diplomat and just over the course of my experiences where I would say things and I would do impressions and people would just bust out laughing. I would say things that would really strike a comedic chord with everyone. And these things just started happening over time. And so I realized, I said, you know what? I might have a thing for this humor thing. Dutch, you have an incredible MLK style impression. I don't know if you have it with you today, but if it can make its way into this conversation somehow, (laughs) that would just make my day. I just have to tell you. Yes. Ask and you shall receive. All right. I'll be waiting for it. What about you, Roberta? I love what you just said about, you know, bringing, helping people understand how they can use humor, even when the comedians go home, because I'm one of those individuals who loves comedy. I love to go to stand-up comedy. I love to watch Netflix specials and all of that stuff. But if I don't have that, like a part of me secretly is, what would I do if I were stranded on a desert island somewhere and I didn't have Wi-Fi and I didn't have access to all of those wonderful comedians? I'd be in trouble. So how do you help people do that? How do you help them take it from, it's outside of me. I have it in me now and I can take it wherever I go. It takes what I have termed utilizing your humor bone. And you're not going to find that in any dictionary yet. But your humor bone starts in your head. It starts in your brain. It starts in your mind. And it spreads throughout your body. And basically what your humor bone is, it's your way to look at the world. So if you train yourself to start looking for all that is funny and all that is good and all that is positive, your mind will start going there because our brains are amazing. And I call it your humor bone because a lot of people think that their elbow, that their humorous, their funny bone um, is their humor bone. And it's not because if you've ever hit your elbow on something that hurts a lot. So your humor bone, it starts in your mind. It spreads to your heart. It goes all over your body. And it's the way it takes practice. So I tell people to go on a humor walk, to look around and jot down everything that they see that makes them smile, makes them giggle, that tickles them a little bit, and keep track of that and be mindful of those things that make you laugh and smile. And they can be little things. It can be a bird's song that just fills you with joy. That will bring pleasure to you. It will change your outlook on life. It's those little things in life that make you smile and giggle. It might be a friend. If you have a friend that really, you know, I can call any one of you and I know you can make me giggle and laugh because you're a comedian. 
And that's what you need. You need people that really lift you up and show you. Because sometimes we, you're right, Heather, you can't find the humor necessarily, especially if you're going through some pretty challenging issues in your life. And we all are challenged on a daily basis because we have that ability to see what's wrong. We know those people that complain all the time. It takes work to flip it around. And when somebody says, how are you, regardless of how you are, you say, I am fantastic. Thank you. Just say that. It'll flip it in your mind. I I think you're getting this concept in neuroscience called neuroplasticity, right? So we have these neurons and the more we think about a thing or do a thing, we increase the strength of those connections. So you have to, if you want to think in a different way, have a different response, you have to practice. You have to practice so you can strengthen new connections. So that's really good. And I'm curious, how are the rest of you using humor in the work that you Well, I can share a little bit. I'm a former registered nurse, and so I used it a lot, mostly with the staff, because it's a very stressful job, and we experience a lot of vicarious trauma when we do healthcare. So I used it a lot to relieve that stress and tension. And I've always, I think my humor comes out of trauma. So I've always been intense and intensely funny. And I've always noticed that with comedian. I'm just, I'm, I'm quoting, you know, feedback from my clients. I mean, I just know like there's an intensity to me. Like I've never been a fluffy comic. I've always been like, take your pain and play with it kind of comic. So my tip for people is uh, what Charlie Chaplin said, which is take your pain and play with it and really exaggerate it to the point of a cartoon until you find the funny in it. Like, for example, one time I was working and we had a very serious situation where a woman was a victimized by her husband, domestic violence. I worked orthopedics, some, a lot of broken bones. It was very serious. The husband wanted to come visit her. He wasn't allowed. You know, there was no contact order. Of course, he hadn't been arrested, but he was out and about in the Ozarks. Everybody in the Ozarks has at least one shotgun. It was very scary. He said he was going to come to the floor and, sh- and shoot all the nurses. And it was a very intense shift. Let me just say that. I worked 3 to 11. This was in the 90s, no, 80s, before we had lockdown, before we had cameras, before we had much security. And so we were just left to deal with this idea that we are in the middle of a 600-bed hospital with three entrances to our floor. And like, oh my gosh, this guy could come in at any time. And I became like the clown. But I also had like, it was functional. It was adaptive. It was, you know what? I remembered my friend who used to do have a paper route and was scared that people were going to steal the money he was collecting. So he had a squirt gun that had that had alcohol in it to squirt in the eyes of dogs and people. And I was like, hey, you guys, we've got isopropyl alcohol. So I I armed us all with 20 milliliter syringes (laughs) full of isopropyl alcohol. And I taped them on my arms like Spider-Man. And I was like, we got this. And I was just really like, I mean, it was intense, but it was a way of everybody just having an outlet for that tension. And then somehow I said, hey, at the end of the shift, we're going to collect I's and O's, right? Which is intake and output. Output is what? Urine urine and uh just uh, who has a colostomy bag you know what i mean we've got weapons nobody wants to be hit with this and so we kind of like did this exaggeration of of self-protection but in a cartoon way but also actually could have been effective you know like if everybody had syringes and you know and a bag of urine i'm telling you that guy never showed up because i think metaphysically got <laughs> that was my example I don't even know how I to use respond it at to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing sorry. is a good response. <laughs> Laughter is okay. I'm sorry, what was the question again? Ah, uh, how do you use humor at work? 
Oh, that's right. Okay, thank you. Well, I do intense work. No, that the is response perfect. I get from people. Are you trying to are you trying to tell me this was inappropriate response? No, not at all. Not at all. I think that you actually answered a follow-up question that I was going to ask about. You mentioned playing with your pain. And I've noticed that some of the comedians that I appreciate the most are able to take their pain, like some of the most challenging situations that they've been through in life and poke fun at it in a way that it shows that not only did they reflect, but they also learned something from it and they're able to take that and bring it to the audience and help us see it in a new way, help us, yeah. So, but that's a skill to be able to say, ooh, this hard, and I went through something that is really, really hurting and to take it and make it funny. So I was kind of wondering how you do that. And you just showed me how you do that in a hospital setting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's real. That's a true story. That's a very true story. If and, can... you know, we got through that shift and we didn't have any med errors because you have a lot of anxiety with that kind of pressure. And a good shift, you have anxiety. But we were able to function. We were able to let out the tension. And I think that's just been my role in society or in my family to be like, the, I've always been the class clown, the family clown, the the clown, you know, whatever it is that needs, I just find the need and I will, I will help dissipate the tension. Yeah, and no meta errors. So all of you medical directors out there that are going, what, wait a second, listen, no meta errors. So what about you, Dutch? What were you about to say? You mentioned, you know, making your pain funny. This is something that I had, that I came across as I was studying stand-up comedy over the past couple of years, because as a yoga instructor, I learn through yoga to embrace all of my 40 plus years of excess baggage and the skeletons in my closet from family traumas and family secrets and that sort of thing. And I learned to embrace it. And then translating that from yoga to Toastmasters, you know, giving winning speech contests, talking about these things to stand up comedy. One of the things I learned in embracing my faults, imperfections, the things about me, when you do that in a comedy setting, you basically give the audience permission to laugh at their own stuff right. and to not take themselves so seriously. I have a joke in, in one of my stand-up books. I said, you know what? My mom was a very strict lady. In fact, she hated it whenever I would ask her about things that she felt were none of my business, like who my real father was. And people were like, what? I mean, they laugh, but then it's like, should I laugh? Is it politically correct? I'm like, yes, you can laugh. I'm laughing. I'm making a joke about it. It's my business. Yes, you can laugh. <laughs> But it just goes to the point where, you know, we're all human. And the great thing about comedy and humor is that it shines the light on our humanity. Foibles, peccadillos, quirks, idiosyncrasies, warts and all. And that's what basically brings us together. Mm. I've been wanting to discuss your warts. Yeah, I put some Vaseline on them so they're nice and shiny. <laughs> but is that true, Dutch, that you don't know who your father is and your mother wouldn't? tell you? This is very true because I'm the youngest of six children and my mother passed away in 2000 and five years later my father, the man whom I thought was my father, my older sibling's father passed away and after he passed away you know how the family starts squabbling over who gets what of his money so on and so forth and I found out through one of my siblings not because they said Dutch we have something to tell you okay we feel you have a right to know it was okay Dutch doesn't deserve any of our father's money because our father is not his real father, so he doesn't deserve any of, a, any of our dad's wow. money. That type of thing. And let's just say I keep my family three states distance. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what yeah. I think. 
But see, the thing is, you know, I don't know about other communities, but in the African-American community, it's not politically correct for us to put our business out mm. in the street. But I realized, I said, if I keep this in, it's going to drive me crazy. I said, right now, I am a husband. I am a father. If I am going to be the best husband and father that I can be, I need to unload this emotional baggage and I need to embrace it and then make a joke about it. Because when you embrace it and when you joke about your pain, you take the power away from it. Yeah, That's the thing. Absolutely. I took the power away from it. So now it's like I can make jokes about stuff like that because it's like, hey, it doesn't bother me anymore. And again, it sends the message to the audience. Like, hey, whatever you're going through, guess what? Somebody else is going through it and you can laugh about it. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And it gives me it makes me feel so much closer to you to know that that's a true story. Like, I think as a cautious, oh, trying to be woke white person, I'm like, well, I can't laugh at this stereotype of the, you know, absentee father, unless I know it's true. I don't know why, but it's just like, there's a part of me that, that holds back when if I see someone reinforcing a stereotype, but then it's like, oh my gosh, this is your vulnerable truth. And it just makes it, you know, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being and, and, open about it. Well, humor has a way of getting you to face issues that are hard to deal with. When we can't face something, if we can find something to laugh about it, to make fun of it, then maybe we can start talking about it. Then maybe we can start dealing with it and then we can get past it. Humor helps us with that. Mm. Very empowering. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I just want you to know, Nancy, that you know, I lost my virginity to a white girl in high school, so I love all white women. I couldn't resist, sorry. It was just like right there dangling right in front of me. I just couldn't resist. Ron, what oh, were you okay. about to say? Well, you were talking about the use of humor in the workplace. I was a uh, art teacher since 1968. And in my goal of making people laugh, I had six audiences a day who couldn't run away from my humor. And so my plan was to make the kids giggle and smile in many different ways. And recently I was at a meeting of something that might benefit you folks if there's not one where you live or if there is one, you could get into it. It's called the School Business Partnership Council. And every month we meet and the superintendent and the assistant superintendents in charge of the curriculum and stuff, we all get to meet with various people in the business community. I was there because I was the town historian. So we were at a meeting and the Solon, uh, Dr. Solon, the superintendent, passed out an, a lengthy sheet of information about all the wonderful goals that the kids in Cheshire have been achieving. And he asked for comments on this. And so he wanted us to talk to the person next to us and get some information from each other. Fortunately for me, I was sitting next to the K through person in charge of curriculum. And we had a conversation bas basically of me talking about how humor benefited me and the kids that I was working with. I used to grow a beard. Uh, every so often and I would shave half of it off so we would have asymmetry day and the kids could come with a sneaker and a shoe or they could nice. come with a tail and a ponytail I had to keep it for 10 days because I had to go through all the kids that I had in all of my schools so in my neighborhood I would walk down the street and one time that I would walk by and the neighbor would see no beard and then he told me but you came by a few minutes later and you had a beard how did you do that so these were things that I used and so in the meeting, he said, well, tell us what you think about all of these wonderful goals we've achieved. And I said to this uh, the guy who's in charge of the curriculum, I said, wait, there's one thing in there that is the most important thing. How do you get kids to want to come to your room? And mostly it's like every so often there's a kid who really wants to learn, but most of the rest of the kids, they could care less about coming there. So if they have, if they know they're going to get a giggle or a smile, then they want to come there. 
And during the, the rest of the meeting, three or four people started quoting Ron. Ron said, this is a good thing. And, and Ron did this and Ron. And I thought, wow, these people are actually starting to think that humor is a good thing. So if you get a chance, join the School Business Partnership Council and sit next to the person who's in charge of curriculum and get the, get the superintendent to start talking about humor in the meeting. We'll <laughs> all do the AATH. Speaking of. Nice, Ron. Nice. Yeah, speaking of AATH, <laughs> you all are very funny people. At least I consider you to be very funny people already you know and nancy you've been a very funny <laughs> is that your disclaimer <laughs> nancy you've been a very funny person for like 20 plus years at least and so i'm just curious you know what made you want to join the humor academy and get in on the ground floor where we're crawling together learning about humor theory and all of that stuff well for me i was thinking about that i was thinking how i believe i'm here to learn what i already know Sometimes it's nice to be able to articulate these things because I am doing talks, the power of humor and for all different kinds of businesses, organizations, and I'm, do I'm teaching intuitively with my anecdotal evidence, but I just think I need a little more substantive theory and, and uh, studies that are, you know, scientific studies. So I, I came to learn the science, the science behind what I intuitively already know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I would say for me, I read an excellent book by a psychologist and comedian called Dr. Brian King. It's called The Laughter Cure, How Laughter Really Is the Best Medicine. And he is a trained psychologist and also a well-known stand-up comedian. And his book is chock full of the scientific evidence behind the benefits of humor. It's called The Laughing Cure. The Laughing well, Cure. The Laughing Cure. And what one of his passages that really struck out with me is that when we laugh... Not only do we, you know, does the brain release all those feel-good chemicals, but it also releases a specific type of chemical that fights cancer. It's called an NK cell that fights cancer. This is so profound to the point where the, the, the cancer treatment centers of America actually have humor therapy as a part of their overall holistic approach to cancer treatment, where they'll have their patients watch about a half hour of a funny television show, a sitcom, something funny. That was mind blowing. And one and it validated my reason behind joining AATH because as we all know, the last couple of years, our world has been plunged in, into what I like to call a bad Alfred Hitchcock movie turned Netflix miniseries. <laughs> and it's caused us all to really reevaluate what's really important in life. You know, okay, is it the nine to five grind? Well, for a lot of people that was taken away from them. He said, saving money for retirement, well, unfortunately, that got wiped out for a lot of people, too. So now, as for me, I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop telling myself I'm going to wait until I do this, wait until I do such and such. I'm going to do it now. And so I came across AATH and the Humor Academy. I said, you know what, I need to be a part of that because realizing the health and wellness benefits of humor I need to join that tribe. Thank you. I love that. When, when you said a bad Netflix special... Alfred Hitchcock. I was thinking, you know, Tiger King 2.0 is is out now. <laughs> I'm ready. That got me through the first part of the pandemic. I'm ready for the second part of the Man, mm -hmm. I I got to I got to get into Tiger King. Yes, it's on do. my list. Yes, you do. Do you think it is mandatory to get into it to so that we can relate to everyone cuz I I don't know enough about it to I'm I, what is it in me that's reluctant to join this fad? <laughs> I, I actually started to watch it because my team at the time 
was talking about it and I wanted to be able to relate to them. And then I got into it and realized, wow, this is a train wreck and I just can't stop watching. And yeah, it, it helps. It helps. I mean, you can add it into your next routine. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot. I see. I hear a lot of comics doing jokes about it, but which is there's something in me. Maybe I have some sort of comedy defiance disorder that, oh, is everybody doing that? Well, I'm doing this, you know, where I I really am. I don't know what it is. I'm always on the edge of practically or completely inappropriate. You know, just like, let me push it just to just get people to do something different. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know. I'm why I think the word tiger has me. Is there is there animal cruelty in it? That's what I was. I'm. I, have this, I can't see animal. I can't see animal suffering. I have something in me that can't witness animal suffering. Yeah, there's there's cruelty all the way around, Nancy. So okay, I may pass. You you probably I mean, want to pass. In real life. <laughs> I'll just hear about it from you all. It, the hard thing is, it's a true story. It's not like some fictional thing. It's like, yeah, this is what goes on in, you know, this little part of Oklahoma. So that's probably the saddest thing about it. It's probably too close to the Ozarks where I've seen enough of this firsthand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, That's my show right there. That's my Ozark. Oh, my God. Yeah. That show, <laughs> the first episode had me hooked. Do you, do you guys watch... Do you listen to, I don't know if I should tout another podcast because Leading with Levity is the number one podcast you should listen to. <laughs> Leading with Levity, but yes. I do I do listen to Smart List and it has Jason Bateman, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett and they're hilarious. They are absolutely hilarious. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to listen to other people utilizing humor in situations in order for you to find the humor in them yourself. Mm -hmm. So watching Netflix shows, listening to podcasts, calling friends that are funny, doing things to lighten you up so that you can get past whatever struggle you're in and you can find ways to lighten up and there is humor in every single every single situation and that's not me doesn't mean making fun of that situation it's not making fun of what you're going through it's utilizing humor to get you through what you're going through yeah. and and i commend all you comedians on being able to do that so well and yes i can be funny and i can be silly and i can trip and make fun of myself but i am not a stand-up comic and I bow to all of you. <laughs> yeah, so I think that is a great segue into one of the last questions that I have for today. We've all been going through different things, right? And been doing this pandemic thing for way too way too long. It feels it feels like forever at this point. How do you maintain your spirit and your sense of playfulness in the middle of a pandemic? I can tell you my way, and you've probably heard this on some of our classes. I have a life philosophy called OPAO. It stands for only positivity in and out. And so I don't allow any anger, problems, worry. I don't worry about anything. I have concerns on occasion. But with OPAO, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have any problems. I don't have any pain. And I'm the happiest person I know. So I guess basic, having a basic life philosophy like that keeps you in, in pretty good shape. Ron, does that come in pill form? 
<laughs> I wish it, it did. sounds like a, a it drug commercial. It does like an anagram for opioids. That's the endogenous morphine, man. You probably are blessed because of what you're doing. You are creating your, you know, that's the healthy opioid. We do have natural opi opioid. That's hard to say all of a sudden. Opioid. It feels like something from Andy Griffith, you know, like a robot that was Anna. Okay. <laughs> but uh, seriously, I bet you do, Ron. I bet you create your own and you are probably like constantly blessed with endogenous morphine, which is a great painkiller. I guess. And, yep. People yeah. can't argue with, I don't argue with anyone. People can get mad at me. I just laugh. It, it, it works fine. Mm -hmm. You're like, you're like my yin yang, man. Mm -hmm. You're. <laughs> I argue. I like, take that anger. Let's get it out there. And then, and then let's play with it. But I do. That's interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I used to say, you know, I, I want to heal. I, okay. I'm going to say my, I really, my mission statement is to help heal myself and others like in my comedy, but sometimes I really need people to like first, I'm an activist, so I was like, you got to look at this, look at this, and now let's heal it. You know, like I really do kind of force people sometimes to look at stuff they do not want to look at. Doesn't always go well. Let me just be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your honesty, Nancy. We appreciate it because, you know, we embrace diversity on this podcast. And that means sometimes people are coming in and they're, they're on Ron's side of the spectrum. And then we've got people on the other side of the spectrum. And that's okay. We love you yeah. all. I'm air hugging right now. <laughs> air hugs back. Nice. Let like me it. give you something for your compartments, Nancy. I, I go through life on an ocean liner called the Good Ship Ronnie World. And anytime I'm working through life, I go to all the state rooms where they're having parties and having a great time. And if there's something that's a, that should be a problem, I just put it in a state room and lock it there. And I never go there. So compartments can be very good. Yeah, my dad was good at that. I think I think sometimes men are better at compartmentalizing than women. I'm not sure if that's true. It's probably wrong to generalize, especially since I consider myself gender fluid, although I am XX chromosome. But yeah, I, I've witnessed that in a lot of my male family members, that they're really good at like locking stuff down. Works. And I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it is important to, if you have something that is traumatic, that's triggering, that you're going through that you're able to sit down and reflect on that and work through that because otherwise you're right that stuff can eventually kill you so i applaud you for doing that work i look forward to listening to to traumedy and you know working through some of that stuff with you nancy i think that it's going to be a really good podcast when it comes out dutch i have a question for you so you have a really good impression i mentioned it earlier i don't know if you still have it in your arsenal, are you, are you ready? Of course I am. Okay, a good way for us to, to maybe close out this conversation today is with an impression that Dutch has. And I, I think it's awesome. It makes me smile every time I hear it. And it's sort of an MLK impression. And I'm not even gonna say anymore. I'm gonna let him do his thing. But I, I think it's gonna be a great way to close out. So Dutch, take it away. Well, folks, it's hard losing weight when you get older, okay? It's scary how your metabolism slows down once you reach that 4-0 threshold. See, I'm 47. When I was younger, my metabolism worked overtime. But once I turned 40, my metabolism went from model employee to union worker on strike. Yeah. It's like every time I go to the gym, I step on a treadmill. Remember those little PSAs, the pu public service announcements with the egg frying in the pan? 
and the message, this is your brain on drug. Well, every time I set foot on a treadmill at the gym, there's a voice in the back of my head that goes, this is your metabolism on pause. Now, and the thing is, when my metabolism slowed down, it didn't just speak to me. It preached to me like it was Martin Luther King Jr. I've been working round the clock, burning all your fat and breaking down your glucose. And I haven't had a paid vacation in over 40 years. Well, no more. I said no more. I'm gonna let the fat accumulate around your midsection. Why? Cause I'm your metabolism. So you can't report me to human resources. So you can't fire me. I'm grandfathered into your DNA. So I don't need your permission. You can run on that tree treadmill all you want i'm moving to florida because i'm free at last free at last <laughs> i'm gonna let the cellulite get medieval on your ass yeah <laughs> i love it yeah. i love it i love it dutch what inspired that by the way i was doing um a five-minute stand-up comedy routine preparing uh for a uh, workshop uh, a comedy showcase for the past year and a half, I've been training online with Dave Schwentz, and he's a comedy coach and author out of my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. And he started giving comedy workshops, and then he started doing Zoom showcases so that we could basically showcase our talent. And during this particular uh, five-week workshop, I was putting together my bit on, you know, how hard it is losing weight as we get older and so on and so forth. Then I said, let me do something with the metabolism. Okay, let me give my metabolism a voice. You know, in, in stand-up comedy, we call it an act out. So I decided to, you know, act out my metabolism, but not in just any old kind of way. Having grown up in the black church, okay, in the black Baptist church, I said, okay, I'm going to have my metabolism preached to me in a defiant tone like Martin Luther King Jr. during the civil rights movement. And that's how that whole thing was born. And what I love about this is it's a perfect example of being able to take something that's going on in your life look at it and find the humorous aspects of it. Exactly. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So while I'd, I'd like to close this out and give you all an opportunity to share any sort of last thoughts, last words, what would you like our listeners to know? And I'll, I'll get started with Roberta. What you need to know is that nobody is positive every single day. Everybody has an off day everybody has an oh my but if you can learn to flip the switch in your brain if you can learn to persevere through your challenges and find something to smile and laugh about it will give you the resilience so that when you have to tackle another challenge it won't be as difficult it's not about laughing about it. It's being able to laugh so that you can make it through it. We are going to be challenged every day of our lives. He's utilizing humor and laughter to get you through those challenges will get you through them with the least damage to your body and will actually add, like Dutch said, those feel-good hormones that will flow through you and carry you through life. And it's a lifelong thing that if you master it, you will benefit from it every single day. Well said. Well, I found uh, if it ain't fun, don't do it. 
And if it can't really be made fun, find a way to make it fun and then do it. And as far as being healthy, I tell people to go to health all the time. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I'd like to see Ron at a funeral. There's something about me wants to see him at a funeral. You know what I mean? I was just I was just at one this week. We had fun at the at the funeral. <laughs> okay, Ooh. that was interesting. <laughs> uh, nice, Nancy. <laughs> Well, I've tr I tried to coin this phrase, and it's not going well. Every cloud has a silly lining. Yep. Mm, Nobody like likes that. it. Nobody likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, I keep I keep thinking one day this will catch on. <laughs> but it's maybe it's just too cute. Every cloud has a silly lining, but that is sort of my motto. But it is just a little too cute. But yeah, I think it I makes us it. think too much. Is it too hard? Every cloud has a silly lining. Don't right. rain on your own phrase. <laughs> yeah, I'm raining on my own phrase. <laughs> mm -hmm. But and, I just want to say here, here to what Roberta said. And I also respect Ron, you know, if, if you know, I, just my research with trauma and if trauma does get frozen inside of us and if my dad had severe trauma and it, you know, if you need to just go around it, you know, I do need to trust everyone's process and not everybody wants to integrate trauma and and I do respect I respect choices and I I know there's lots of ways there's lots of ways to get where we're going and have that emotional resilience with humor thank you and and Dutch well as as a speaker yoga instructor and soon-to-be certified humor professional I want to use all of these tools that I'm learning to help people do what I did and that's break the shackles of fear guilt and shame so that they can live what I like to call an epic life epic is an acronym E-P-I-C, which stands for Energy Provides Incentives to Change. So use that humor G that Mary Kay Morrison talks about, that humorous energy, and use that as an incentive to change something about your life so that you can live the best, most epic version of yourselves. That's why I do what I do. Mm, I love right. it. I learn from these folks every month, at least once a month. <laughs> And we learn day. from you, Heather. Yes. Thank you, yes. Heather. Thanks for this opportunity and this conversation. Yeah. I learned a lot today, too. Thank you. Yes. yes this is, uh, you are a wealth of knowledge. You are an asset to the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. You are an asset to the Humor Academy. I couldn't feel more joy having you as my students in Level 1. You are amazing, each and every one of you. Well, thank you, I Roberta. Just, and, and Heather, I just like the fact that you laugh at my jokes. I do. I do. I, I, try, to, I try to keep it silent, but I can't help it. They're funny. <laughs> I like being an ass, and it's good to know that in the world there are assets. Yes. That's true. You know, Heather, you, you <laughs> have, Heather, you can't hold your laughter in. You have to let your laughter out. Don't ever try to hold it in. It goes down and spreads to your hips. Oh, yes. And I can't have that happen. And unlike my high school girlfriend who told me she loved me, the hips don't lie. <laughs> We're back to assets again. <laughs> All right, y'all. I encourage you to learn a little bit more about the Association for Applied Therapeutic Humor. Get engaged with the Humor Academy if you're able. And just do everything that you can to pursue your best self because it's out there and it's just waiting for you to uncover it. Have a great day. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles, and choose to lead with levity. 
Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker.